Welcome to Lead with Hope, a podcast by the West Florida Ministry Network of the Assemblies of God. This leadership-driven podcast goal is to help our almost 400 credentialed ministers, as well as anyone else interested in leading their churches and ministries more effectively. We hope you enjoy today's episode. So, in, in, in reference to biblical maturity, how do we give them the importance of growing scripturally, biblically mature? How, how do we do that? With, 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 the, with, with the challenge of we don't want an hour preaching, how do we, how do we ingrain in them that if they're going to make it through this Christian walk, they got to mature in the Word. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think we've got to teach them it's okay to take more than bite-sized pieces. That's a good thought. Because they're they're used to like social media content. If I can share this one image, I can share this 10-second video. Is it tweetable? Is it tweetable? And the Bible is 66 books that's written in a different culture than ours. Sure. And you're not going to solve that in 30 seconds. And so it's just encouraging a love of learning and reading and like pushing them to have intellectual conversation about theology and God and like doing some pushback. This generation's not used to pushback. You see that with What's happening politically right now? What I said is my truth, and there within lies the problem. What what we perceive as truth, I say problem. The challenge, what we perceive as truth, is not actually always biblical truth. And so, how do we get them out of that? Do you think it's more? Do we do that in more in more like small groups, or do we do that in a church setting for this generation? How do we do that? I think it's got to be both and. I think on your Sunday morning, you have to like be willing to sacrifice what the current model is to meet them where they're at. But also, you're never going to have room in their life to say any of that without like that relational small group element or that mentoring element. And I think one of the greatest challenges for the pastor is, is if a pastor who is shepherding and he's called to shepherd the sheep that he has, if you have 40% of your church that are the elders of the church who have been faithful for 30, 40, 50 years that have built the foundation of it, how do you balance ministering to their needs and them at the same time bringing the generation up that's under them that are in the church. So I think it's calling out their maturity. We have people, the elders. The elders. We have elders at this point. that Celebrate their maturity is what you're saying. Celebrate, but also calling it out in them. We have people who are mature in their walk. They have a deep understanding of the word. And when it comes to building that relationships... I did that in my youth. It's this generation's time. Our call doesn't end when we retire. It doesn't end when it's good. the clock kicks 5 p.m. Our call is continual. And so 
it's not just about them sitting there on a Sunday morning and being fed. They also have to feed. And unfortunately, we're living in a time now where it's a just check the box mentality. I went to church and that's happening in our older folks as well. Yeah. There's not, there's not a high percentage of involvement in our churches. That's reality. So how can I call out a Gen Zer and tell them you've got to do this? You've got to do X, Y, and Z. When they're not seeing When I can't get someone who's been in the church for 40 years to serve on nur- in nursery on a Sunday morning. So now you see the challenge of a pastor. That's tough. Pastors have a tough. I think probably what we have to do is to get back to the ministry of Jesus. Absolutely. Because he did public speaking, but yet he was with the 12. There's that dynamic of the public ministry and the one-on-one and the group. If the church can't model that, that ministry of Jesus to the crowd and to the 12, the crowd and the 12, I have a feeling the reason the disciples memorized what they wrote in Scripture is because Jesus told it and told it and told it coupled that with the Holy Spirit, Jesus had a way of saying it publicly, infusing it in them privately. Oh, that's good. And we have to learn to do that in the church, Mm -hmm. to start copying Jesus. You look at the New Testament in the book of Acts. Yes, Peter preached a dynamic message, but then the next thing you see is, and they were meeting house to house. Yeah. There's the public and the private, the public and the small group. We have to create that dynamic in this culture that is very similar to the culture the church was birthed in. And that really is our challenge because it's one thing to be a public proclaimer. It's another thing to have the ability to relate in a small group really good. And so can that concept still work in a Sunday school setting or does it need to work outside of the church more now today than you think? Oh, I wish we brought Sunday school back. I do too. Just because I'm a morning person. And so it fits into like I I think you can capture what you're saying, Larry. The public is certainly going to be the morning service is going to be the, 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 the pastor bringing the message to the public of the people. But prior to that, there has been an intimacy of small groups, whether you call it Sunday school or or Christian education or whatever, on that campus. So you're kind of doing all of it in one. And it doesn't have to happen on campus. That that is our biggest problem. We lock ministry into a building. Yeah. Yeah. Can happen at a coffee shop. Coffee shop, fishing, golfing. I mean, the. In a home. In a home. In a home. That's where they did it. And, And the truth is, our houses, the where we live, is our biggest investment. We got to think in terms of using my resources, whether it's my house, my car, my boat, my golf clubs, for the sake of the kingdom. And so you pastored for almost 30 years there at Freedom. The challenge of having a small group or a Sunday school in a home is probably not the people coming, but the leadership who's leading it. Who's teaching? What are they teaching? 
are they solid? And how do you vet that to make sure that every home is vetted maturely and, and healthily? You know what I'm saying? Well, our commission is to make disciples, and we teach people how to teach. And you have to train those leaders to do. So pastoring becomes a lot of training. And so you can't just have, oh, I'd like to have one at my house because are you ready to teach? Right. The answer is probably no. And so you have to vet that very carefully. And and one of the things we try to do is, all right, you want to do this? You got to have a partner. Nobody did ministry in isolation. You have, Jesus sent them out by twos. There's a reason for that. Correct. So that if the, you want to lead a house group, then you got to have a partner. It can't be your wife. It's got to be someone outside of your home. And in the partnership, you're also training them, that person to lead a small group and have a partner. So that's the process by which. Multiplication. Right. We're trying to multiply the leadership. Yeah. So I think there's value in having it in the home, though, and maybe this is just a Southern mentality of like, if I invite someone into my home, that's a level of vulnerability I've set at the onset. Mm. Well, the other part of that is this. Most young Christians today have never seen a healthy home. They've never seen a marriage that works. So that idea of bringing young people into a home where there is a husband and wife and children and they see the dynamic of what it is like to show love and care and compassion to your spouse is huge in the discipleship process. Uh, That's so good. And so you would have to have somebody in place. I bring back to what you said. What I perceive is truth in a lot of the generation that we're seeing now. This is my truth. You'd have to have somebody mature in place to teach in that home that when that comes out, well, let's look at what the scripture says, because the scripture is truth about that. And then, you know, without a threatening way, but a teaching way, a a moment of helping them mature, like, you know, just because I think it doesn't mean it's true. I need somebody teaching in that home that says, well, let's break open the bread of life. Here's our roadmap. And see what it says about what you perceive to be truth without a threat. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Well, and I think it takes like when a senior pastor is assessing who can lead small groups. That's important right there. Maturity is key, but it's not knowing all the answers. It's I'm going to be self-aware to know I don't know all the answers. And I'm going to walk with you as we learn together. That brings me back to what I was saying. The pastors are responsible to assessing and vetting. Okay, you're ready for a small group. I can turn you loose. Peter, you and James, y'all go take this group of sheep out here and y'all teach them what I've taught you. Know what I mean? Right. Yes? Yeah. And, And the best way I think I've seen to teach that and to make that work is the pastor preach publicly on Sunday morning and the pastor or someone has developed a lesson plan for the small group that reinforces what the pastor is leading the church in. That 
That is so good because what happens if, if you just get somebody says, okay, well, we're going to learn this today and we're going to learn that today. And then it just goes, but if it's structured to where it is accenting, if you will, what the senior pastor feels the direction the church needs to be going by the Holy Spirit, now we're all in one mind and one accord. Right. And now we got energy moving in the same direction. That's correct. That's good. That's really good. Um. But, and they, there again, you got to create a house group or even a church where people are not afraid to or have permission to ask questions. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't ask the questions, it's hard to, it's hard to, hard to learn. learn. And we're creating discipleship. And the truth is, we're not afraid of the truth. We want to communicate the truth. We do. So that. Many times, the only way to answer the, the dilemma of our culture is to know the question. Sometimes the church has been guilty of not wanting to hear the question. We wanted to be the vocal end of the deal because we're right and we're going to prove you wrong. Which is a domineering spirit. Right. And we can't yeah. have that. I would almost call it a religious spirit. I, I would agree with you. I so, agree. Jesus was never afraid of a question. I mean, you look at the ministry of Jesus. I don't care who it was. He was never afraid, even from Pilate, even even from his archest enemy, the religious community. He was never afraid of the question. I'm afraid sometimes we in the church were afraid because we may not have the answer. Mm. And that's a point of vulnerability. You know, we can't be that. We got to be strong. We've got to be firm. Got to right. People got to know that we're yeah, yeah. So when I ca- I came to the conclusion in my own life, listen, you ask me a question, I may not know the answer, but I know where to find it. I'm gonna look it up. Yeah. So ask the question. We'll find it together, and that there becomes the journey. And I'm not walking that journey alone. I'm walking that journey with someone else who is seeking the truth. And we may be on different levels of that, but I'm still, as the pastor, wanting to know truth and pursuing truth. And you may be in your infancy, but let's walk together and you don't grow together. You're in chapter 30, I'm in chapter 12. Yeah, and we can make We're it. in the same book. That's right. And I think in doing that, you step back, especially with your Gen Zers and your younger crowd, you step back from the mentality that some of them were raised in a home where, like, if you were told something, it's because mom and dad said so. There was no logic behind it. And that's one of the things that's going to immediately put a wall up. Because if I can't have a thought in the process, what value am I to the situation? So instead of shutting them off like a water spigot, we guide them into the pond where the truth is. And there's no reason for us to be afraid of any question. Uh, they might not like the answer the truth, but we'll let the truth lie and couple that with the prayer and the Holy Spirit, and we know the Holy Spirit leads us and guides us. Thanks for listening to the Lead with Hope podcast. We hope you were strengthened and encouraged by today's discussion. Be blessed.